Welcome to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. We interview great guests who inspire you to overcome obstacles and achieve your goals. Be sure you visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, just relax as you listen. You can do something else, but be ready to make an important note. And let's get started. Our guest today is Angela Lee. And the title of this interview is Escaping Painful Feelings Can Be a Prison of Our Own Making. Today, we have a heavy heavy subject. 3,700 kids attempt suicide every day in the U.S., In fact, suicide is the second leading cause of death for kids aged 10 through 24. Angela's children's book series, The Bella Santini Chronicles, plants seeds of emotional mastery in kids aged 8 through 12. So they are prepared to face the struggles of the teen years. Angela will provide tools and tips on this interview to help overcome adversity. Now, Angela's biography. Angela's father was a raging alcoholic who abused his daughters in every way. As a, chi- as a child, she made a decision to reject anger. Her father was angry and she didn't want to be like him. She grew up and married a man with a similar background to her, but he embraced anger as his go-to reaction. She had an emotionally abusive marriage She stayed for 32 years until a wildfire destroyed their home. This event caused her to reassess her life and choose her needs before his for the first time. She went on a journey of self-discovery and learned many tools for emotional mastery, which she now shares with children through her stories. That is a fantastic story. Welcome, Angela Lee. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Tony. I'm really pleased to be here, talk to you, and and hopefully share tips and tools that help your audience overcome adversity. I don't want people to have to go through what I did in order to learn. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this discussion very much because I, you know, I think it's important about to talk about things like this, you know, and people really shy away from it. People really don't even like to talk about death in general uh but uh death was one thing is completely natural but suicide is not <laughs> so uh we, we can it's it's an avoidable situation i i venture to say 99 of uh the circumstances um so and and i and i have my own story which i which when we when, when i find the perfect segue i will talk <laughs> I'll mention okay. it, uh, but I want to hear what you've got to say for sure, because this is really great stuff, and I relate to it in many levels, and it's um, very important to talk about. Now, you you had a hard childhood. You Oh, you want to say something before I start my oh, questions? Well, it, it it's just that, yes, I did have a hard childhood, and everything that happens to us teaches us something and whether we like it or not um i if i could i could i would totally redo my childhood 
but I don't have that option. What I do know is that the things that I learned, um, it took me a lifetime to figure out. But I know, as my bio said, that I rejected anger. Mm. And that is one of the things that made my marriage so toxic because not only did I not allow myself to feel anger, but I judged it in other people. And so my ex-husband, who for him, anger, what he grew up in a house where the loudest person won. And so um, yelling and, and conflict was normal for him. And that's kind of how he defaulted in his life. For me, that was um, horrific to be yelled at just caused me to shrink into a small ball mm. and um over the course of 32 years i ended up holding my tongue to avoid having conflict i ended up swallowing my opinions and just slowly over time didn't even allow myself to be me. And when I say that when I left after the fire, that was the first time I chose myself. The reason I stayed in the marriage was I knew that if I left, it would hurt him. And I could not be responsible for hurting another person purposefully. And so I stayed, but after the fire, after I started realizing some of the truths that I now know, I came to the conclusion that me staying was just prolonging the problem that it was equally hurting him and myself for me to stay in the marriage as it would for me to leave. And that was when I came to the conclusion that I did for my sake, I needed to leave. Now, let me address um, anger. Firstly, There's, anger can manifest itself in different ways. <clears throat> for me, I was very angry as a young person, mm -hmm. but I didn't do the, the yelling and hollering thing. I didn't try to intimidate people. That wasn't my gig. Well, for, you know, to back it up, my, my father left home when I was 10, and that mm. became a terrible sadness, <clears throat> to yeah. say the least. Yeah. And that sadness became a terrible rage, That's mm -hmm. what it, which is not uncommon to say the least. It's practically, it's really rather natural. But it was a terrible rage at the world, a great anger at the world. And I would have blown the world up if you showed me where the button was without hesitation. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have access to that button. <laughs> you know, I love... Um, they're, they're, are you familiar with the uh, the self-help course, uh, personal development course, uh, A Course in Miracles? Oh, yes, I, I took that. Mm -hmm. Ah, yeah. What, do you, <laughs> what, what did you think of it? You know, it was, it's a fabulous course. I would recommend it to anyone. Yes. Um, it, it really helps you um, go into your heart and 
and feel the love because our hearts are where love resides Hmm. and you could feel the love and know that you are love Hmm. and what i what my children's books teach or the message i try to get across is that you are magic and the magic Ah. that you are is love yes i concur i agree wholeheartedly so uh, when I uh, first came across A Course in Miracles, this is in the 90s, I read something that so blew me away that I had to stop. I couldn't continue because the truth of it was so monumental to me and so definitive. And when and this is one of, like in the opening paragraphs, uh, and the book says, quote, and I'll never forget, I know it verbatim, and I never <laughs> memorized it. It just so struck me. It said, quote, If the truth were up to you, you would have already destroyed yourself, end quote. And I I cannot forget that is burned in my brain, in my mind. So the truth was not up to me. It was was for me to accept the truth. And this has been my journey, I think, for many, if not all people's journey, to accept the truth themselves, the world as it is, and not as they would want it. Uh, and I know I'm a recovering addict. I've been clean and sober over 20 years. That's the whole thing is acceptance. The whole thing is accept myself, accept the world, accept others, yeah. right? And make you got to make choices too, as you're as you're really talking about. But the reason why my whole now was a bit of a not a digression was a bit of a you know I, I built up what I was about to say now. Now when um. I lost my train of thought. With, uh, I'm sorry. I just had it right there. But it was, okay, the anger. Uh, I'm sorry. It was perfect. It was a perfect segue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it was- and so you know what? I, I do just want to say something that I was in judgment of anger because of the way that I was brought up. And I decided as a very young child that anger is bad. Yes. Which is what a five-year-old mind will do. You know, this behavior is bad. I can't do that. But anger, all emotions are simply information. Yes. And they're only an emotion. So we don't need to judge them as good or bad. It's just important for us to feel them from what I say is a space of neutrality and that kind of throws people off. So I want to explain it. Um, I've noticed that people will either grab onto an emotion. So let's take um, grief as an emotion. There's a good one. They will grab onto it and they will make it their identity. I'm a widow and i'm grieving and there's no space in there for any joy to come in no space for anything other than that emotion that they've grabbed onto i call it entanglement and that is a burden that they carry on through their life until they're willing to let it go The other aspect is to reject a feeling 
which I did. I suppressed anger, but I also rejected anger and judged it in other people. And unfortunately, no matter how much we try to avoid an emotion, if we are engaging in it by entanglement or rejection, we're carrying that emotion with us and it sticks. This came so clearly to me uh, a few years ago, I was talking to my aunt. Um, she's a Reiki master. She's just this beautiful soul. And she said something that really blew me away. She said that my father, her brother, was a sensitive soul and he was too sensitive for this earth. I thought my dad was a monster. And this caused me to really consider what was going on. And I knew that he had been abused by his father. I knew that his father had emotionally abused him, cut him down, told him he was a loser, that he would never measure up. And that those feelings were something he entangled with. And he wanted to reject them also. So he numbed them with alcohol, but because the feelings were with him, his behavior while being drunk was something that perpetrated the feelings of him being a loser. And I realized, I started connecting the dots and it's like, oh my gosh, so my dad escaped his feelings with alcohol that was a prison of his own making. Because if he could face those feelings and accept that that was a perspective of someone else and it doesn't have to be his perspective, he wouldn't have to drink. And then he could have been a good dad. He could have been the kind of person I know he wanted to be. And then me rejecting and suppressing anger caused me to be very reactive in my marriage to anger and thus creating as one leg of that, that two-legged stool, I created that toxic atmosphere by my judgment of him and he reacted. So, you know, it was an equal opportunity toxicity it was a it was a tango this is a huge topic feelings it's their suppression alcoholism alcoholism judgment we're gonna get into it but let's take a moment to uh hear from our sponsor real briefly and we'll be right back with angela lee this episode of self-help coaching is brought to you by perfizio what if there was a self-improvement program truly personalized to you that knew and cared for you deeply that whatever was going on in your life adapted for you perpetually. Visit www.perphysio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O.io, where you can start a program that will always suit you, considering all the pressures and nuances of your life. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. I'm here with Angela Lee. We're talking about 
a great subject with a number of facets. And right, we just left off at, at feelings. And it's a critical thing. I mean, uh, if you're a human, you might be familiar with this thing called feelings, <laughs> uh, though you might hate them, right? And, I, and, you know, long ago, I said, oh, feelings are a great curse. But, you know, and that may be, they are, they may be, but they're also a blessing too. You know, you can't know joy without knowing great sorrow. Well, at least can't, the greater sorrow, you know, the greater joy, you, you know, at least in that dichotomy. But I want to talk about feelings for a moment and, and, and let you continue because you, you're saying great stuff here about this this complex human interaction uh, and an experience of judgment and feelings and, and how you, you, you get part of something that you don't want to, that you want, you want to not be, but you're as critical a factor as the other. <laughs> uh, and, and feelings, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a recovered drug addict, been clean and sober a very long time. Very early in my recovery, I realized that feelings was the, was really the linchpin thing. Well, well, the greatest skill I had to learn was the ability to feel my feelings. And I was already into personal development. Uh, and indeed, uh, recovery from addiction is is nothing but personal development. An addict must transfer, or transfer uh, you know, transform from addict to a recovering or recovered addict. That's a necessary trans um personal development and so these feelings what about feelings i hated feelings i despised feelings my favorite feeling was numb mm -hmm. that's what I, you know that's oh, what yes. my favorite feeling was and so uh i borrowed and codified something from the uh i think it was the sedona method out of sedona arizona mm -hmm. uh which you're probably familiar with um and this method that i just made a three simple uh, uh well I, I i just learned i just focused on my feelings but then in that process um uh, i i codified this thing called i call it iwa iwa is an acronym identify willing and acceptance it's all about acceptance and then where i identify the feeling what am i feeling you got to name it you got to name it yep. okay right can't call it good good sucks <laughs> all right <laughs> call it joy call it delight call it anger well, call it sadness fear whatever doesn't matter the, the, the reality is the truth is that we're all designed to feel feelings that's what that's that's part of the human design even though to me it was a incredible fiction that i'm i'm supposed to feel feelings i'm supposed to run from feelings and, the, and of course the great irony is that what i resist persists the yes. feeling the more i suppress my feelings the, the longer it stayed and worse there was a i created a harbor for my feelings so the first one is to identify w willing am i willing to feel the feeling that this is critical again what i resist persists so become willing i, I had to become willing now if i what if i wasn't willing well then i had to just hold on you know work out had a network of other recovering addicts alcoholics reach out to them don't act out you know, avoid trigger or, or you know avoid making things worse because i'm not willing to feel my feelings so then okay then when, am i finally willing okay great i'm willing to feel this this fear say right then go to the third one a acceptance is it okay to feel this fear or whatever and if it's yes awesome then what's going to happen it's going to quickly change because that's what feelings do they quickly change or if i'm not i'm not i'm not uh it's not okay to feel the feeling same thing as number two with the willingness because until i become okay to feel my feelings i have a danger of acting out on them or, or again just extending their stay in my body and so and the more i did this the better i got at feeling feelings now i love feelings i used to hate them now i love them now i i so embrace them as part of my 
a part of what's reality, of what's real, this human experience, and, and it's great. And, that, and life's not, you know, not same about not all roses, you know. Was, no. But uh, it's a hell of a lot more doable knowing that feelings are here, as you said, signals or information. They're not random. They're not arbitrary, right? And and of course, the great. It's almost a, almost a secret. Incredibly, the feelings I get come from the thoughts that I have. So, what thoughts am I having? That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that it, I love your method of feeling feelings or or dealing with feelings. I teach a little bit slightly different. Mm. You feel the feeling, so it's not a willing to feel. You just notice how does this feeling feel? Mm. Is it sharp? Is it dull? Is it in my head? Is it in my stomach? Mm. Just be aware of the feeling and then you accept it's basically you name the feeling so you're acknowledging the feeling so you feel you acknowledge and then you accept just the same as what you are talking about the key though because people get caught up on the accept part the key is understanding you are not accepting the circumstances that created the way you feel. You are accepting that it's appropriate and okay. You're giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling. And that, that key of giving yourself that permission to feel means that the energy moves and like you said it just goes away so we we spend our lifetime avoiding a feeling that if we just face it it could be gone in two minutes <laughs> much less than that too yeah uh, of course i know you you i love your your method and i i it's really just another way or a mm -hmm. very similar way for, for i'm an nlp practitioner of, of neuro-linguistic programming so when you talk yeah. about finding the, the where it is in your body the, you know nlp is all about that and, and much more but yes find it in your body you can feel it it's a sensation but you know i i think a, a primary reason why I, I came up with that w that willingness is that you know again i was a recovering addict still am I like the ing keeps me keeps me at work as opposed to the ed past tense recovering addict. Anyway, so uh, willingness I found in in addiction recovery that willingness is the most important thing in recovery. Mm. Whatever I was unwilling to do was the recovery that I wouldn't have. So so willingness to feel the feeling I had to come at it in a quasi aggressive way, not just a mere acknowledgement, although that's essential, but to go I'm willing I'm willing. As opposed to, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm more nonchalant or more observant. observant. Mm -hmm. I had to be more proactive in it. That was where I came from. And, I, and that's awesome. That's fine. You know, it's that we, we were. It we, is. <laughs> but it, it, it's. Uh, but, but I think that willingness was my version of your per, of permission. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, permission is the thing. It is the thing. And even though I call it this way, I know um, Dr. Donald Epstein, he calls it AAA. It's all in your IW, whatever. IWA. IWA. What's, what's IW? What's, what's AAA? It, it is. Um, Acknowledge? 
it's acknowledge and accept. And um, I forget what the first day is. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It'll come to us later on. (laughs) But it's the same thing, basically. And we all came at it from our own perspective. And so it's key for your audience to know you could you could take Tony's way if that's the one that really resonates with you. You could take my way if that resonates with you. It It's what works for you. You know, uh, now I, it, you know, it came to me when I thought I said I lost my train of thought about anger, you know, and I had this this genesis of, uh, of rage, of, of sadness and rage, and it became dysfunction, you know, um, and I knew that I was, it had all these issues, you know, and then, and I came on a, a very deliberate journey to heal myself and to recover and to become changed from dysfunctional to functional and to be a person of personal development, to, you know, searches and embraces his potential, which is the opposite of what I, you know, I always had something to say. I didn't want to hear anything else. You know, one, all I wanted to do was let you know how angry I was. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, that's where I came from. And you said, you know, you had a hard childhood, but how did that impact your adult life? You talked about, you stayed in the marriage 32 years, but yeah. So mostly, um, I was in denial of what happened. Uh, my subconscious blocked a lot of memories and it was only after talking to my sisters that I, I can recall and, and know um, what happened. And I really, you know, my mom divorced my dad when I was 10 years old. At the same time, other, other friends from school, their parents were divorcing and all the kids around me saw it as this terrible thing that was happening in their family. But I saw it as, oh my gosh, freedom. We're not going to have to experience that anymore. And so it was like walking through another door into a whole new adventure. And I think that ability uh, that I have of seeing seeing a situation that others can be broken by and seeing it, okay, you know, what is the opportunity for me here? And that's not a special skill that I have. It's not a gift that I have. We all have the ability to choose how we react and how we feel about something. And for some reason, I just tend to default to (laughs) this terrible thing that happened actually did me good and caused me to go in some other direction. And that has, that's a real blessing for me to be able to do that. And also I, if I could, if I could help the world, I would, I would say 
that if you can look at the situations in your life, whether you like them or not, and find the gift. And so when in 2017, my house was destroyed in 10 minutes by this terrible wildfire that came through Northern California. And I mean, I had a huge suburban house that in 10 minutes became a two foot pile of ash. There were no sticks. There was nothing, Incredible. just a curved brick staircase. I called it the stairway to heaven. Because <laughs> that's all it was. That's all that was left. It was um, just astounding and shocking. And, you know, when, when you're in it, when you're in the middle of a terrible crisis, it's really hard to be philosophical about it. Uh -huh. You have to give yourself the grace to get far enough away that then you can look at it and say, okay, that, that was my wake up call. Because if life could turn on a dime like that, if I can go from mid, middle class comfortable to homeless in 10 minutes, then I needed to find a way to make my life worthwhile, make my life matter. I also knew at the time, um, you know, I was in a marriage that wasn't really working for either one of us. And when the fire happened, the relationship was the only thing we had left because everything else was gone. And that is what caused me to have to look at the relationship in a way that previously, when I had my book club and my work and my all these things that kept me busy. All this busyness, all these possessions kept you busy and distracted. But when you distracted. had this, when fate gave you this reset, you yes. really said, this is a reset. You were, you were free of all this materialism and all these other you know, activities and, mm -hmm. and you really had are allowed to have a great introspection. Yeah. And you know, what happened was I went into a dark night of the soul. I went into a deep depression mm. and I questioned, you know, why am I even here? Mm. What is this all about? And I didn't at that time say, okay, I'm going to write books that save kids from making the kind of choices I went into. That wasn't like my revelation, <laughs> but, but what was revealed through that situation is that if I stayed in that marriage, I wasn't going to literally die, but I was going to die. Mm. Because for months afterwards, after I left, if you asked me who I was, I wouldn't be able to answer you because I had no identity. And 
now I have an identity. Identity is, is critical. You know, I'm I'm a personal development coach. I, the critical thing in coaching is is the client's identity. Uh, identity is we, we act that who according to who we think we are. <laughs> and so, if you don't know who you are, or who you are is not working for you, or get you know causing you dysfunction, well. Think of someone else. <laughs> Think, be someone else, you know, because identity is absolutely critical. Let's take a moment to get a quick moment from our, uh, our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Angela Lee. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. What are the secrets to wealth? Benjamin Franklin taught them, but people are ignorant or just forget. What if you make sure neither afflicts you? Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O. Where you can actually become certain you are on your way to wealth. You are listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza and Angela Lee. We're having a great conversation about a number of things. Really, I think that what it, the essence of it is, is emotional intelligence. And I think that the vast majority of people don't have a great emotional intelligence. And I know I was one of them until I deliberately started working on my emotions and, and how important they are and how manageable they are actually. Uh, and, and that was, it was, it was, I let, it was another life that I lived when I didn't have this perspective and it didn't deliberately work on these emo, on emotions and emotional well being Cause I was not, I was emotionally unwell and I didn't manage my emotions at all. And what you're talking about is really, what we're talking about is really emo, is increasing emotional intelligence. But, uh, and, and, you know, and so that's really a critical part of my journey. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about your healing journey? You've talked about the catalyst, you know, and the reset, uh, but go from there. Okay. So after the fire, I started reading the book, A Course in Miracles, and went through it. Um, that helped me. It, it did raise my emotional intelligence somewhat. But I started working with a coach and her thing was all about feeling feelings. And, you know, I was like, I'd say, I, I don't get mad. I never get mad. But I was in denial of my own feelings, a part of me. I was in denial of a part of who I am. And so she kind of made me... <laughs> She said, okay, I want you to think about one of the times you were being yelled at, and I want you to tell me how it feels. So she forced me to sit with my feelings, and I'd be like, no, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> but over time, I learned that it does go away if we face them. And even today, you know, there are times when I become entangled in a feeling for an hour and, you know, I'll get mad about something and be mad for an hour. And that means that I've grabbed on to the concept. But, you know, we're all human. We're not ever going to be perfect in how we deal with stuff. But having the understanding and knowing that really the key to happiness 
is to be able to feel our feelings. Absolutely. It's kind of kind of funny or almost funny actually how much commonality you and I have in, in our message and in our knowledge and what we're about is, is actually quite significant amount. <laughs> and it makes me laugh a little bit. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, and as I said at the beginning, you know, we, we which we haven't got into yet, but I want to now talking about suicide and children, you know, um, I, I, uh, you know, I was a soldier. I was a soldier long ago. I went to the army uh, as a paratrooper, infantryman, combat soldier, and I and I wanted to I wanted to kill for my country. It was one of my reasons. But there was another part that I didn't talk about is that actually I wanted to be killed. I wanted to die. I wanted to be killed. And, and incredibly, I you know I was very fortunate. I survived being in the yeah. army. But I was I had I, I had a romance with death. I had a, I, you know I didn't have necessarily suicide ideation, but. The uh, thought of dying was not unwelcome to me, and I therefore I became very extreme. I was very extreme, you yeah. know. And then years later, I I got over that. You were about to say something. Say it. Well, it this reminds me of I I walked into a grocery store here in town, and there was a homeless man sitting he had a backpack filled with vodka bottles and i i went in and and i noticed him but i didn't say anything but i was so moved by his plight that i bought a sandwich and a drink water <laughs> and brought it out to him but i sat down and talked to him and it was, um, it got really deep and he told me the story. His father was a, um, Hell's Angel motorcycle. So he had that same death doesn't fear me. I'm not afraid of death. It's something I dance with. Right. Kind. His father had that anger and that attitude. And when this young man was seven years old he watched his father slice his mother's throat open oh Whew. and he was sent to a mental hospital a kid because no one told him how to deal with his feelings and i started crying because my dad tried to kill my mom that way when i was five wow and i told him it's not his fault because he had taken on all this responsibility around what had happened but he was seven years old it wasn't his fault there were adults and their behavior was what it was I told him about feeling his feelings, and this was something that he had never been aware of. And the conversation was making him uncomfortable. He wanted to drink because he wanted to escape the feeling. And that is so key to me. Suicide, whether it's slow suicide by 
by drinking or drugs or instantaneous, I decide today to kill myself. Suicide is a way of escaping painful feelings. Absolutely. People do not choose suicide when they're when they're happy, joyous and happy. <laughs> they're trying to escape their pain. And I know this. Um, I, I haven't been suicidal ideation, but I know that I was in despair over the way my marriage was. And there was a time where I would have said, I can't divorce him because that would hurt him. I can't do that. So I had a toxic marriage that was killing me on the inside, but I couldn't leave it. So I was in this place of despair. And I remember driving one day and I was driving over a bridge and I thought I could just turn the wheel and my pain's going to end. So I know what it feels like to have that kind of despair that you just want to find a way to end it. And that is what suicide is. You know, uh, I think that, you know, obviously a, a child's understanding is quite limited and they really <clears throat> sort of make causes their own, you know, faults their own. And that's, you know, I didn't, I had my own experience. You talked you and this fellow that you talked with had similar experiences, but not mine. My father just left home. But the problem with me was I thought it was because I was worthless. Right. <laughs> right. And right. that was the biggest hurdle that I had to get over as a recovering addict, alcoholic was to believe that I had not only that I had worked, but that I deserved good things. That was a critical thing. And that was the biggest hurdle. And, that was, and I found that to be a universal hurdle for recovering addicts, alcoholics. They have to believe they deserve good things. Otherwise, they're not going to bother. <clears throat> and, so that, and so that's critical. And But, you know, I know it's so ironic. I was messaging with somebody late night and they were, they were talking about a friend, a mutual friend who was listen i've known a lot of crazy people this guy is the craziest person i've ever known and he blames his past but you know uh the existential paradigm is this and it's this as children we're not responsible for what happens to us but as adults we're responsible for every single action we take yes so what is so that that's a mandate for us to heal we must heal that's our mandate absolutely and one of the things that I have found so valuable is a tool. Um, so the Talmud says, we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. Totally. And I've believed that for a long time. However, I didn't really understand the true implications of that until one time I thought about a time when my father was screaming at me and I was maybe five years old. And I pictured this situation. But then as an adult, as the adult me, I became a witness to this situation. And what did I see? 
a raging drunk yelling at a little kid. And the little kid made what he said her truth, that she wasn't worth anything, not even the dirt under his feet. But when I look at it from the Talmudic statement, it's revealing so much about him and nothing about me. Totally. And when we can look at our childhood wounds from that perspective and understand that the person criticizing us is saying everything about the world they see and nothing about who you are, then we're able to accept a new truth about ourselves that, you know, it's, it is untrue that I'm worthless and very true that I'm worthwhile. I learned long ago, and this was a critical lesson, is that nothing is personal. Nothing. Uh, people, no, it's not. People do what they do. And, you know, I might be there. <laughs> uh, and the same thing with me. I do the things I do is because how I am, you know, and uh, whoever's in and my life. circumstances, you know, what happened that day. Exactly. So the person cutting you off in traffic might not be an asshole. They might be someone who had this terrible run-in with their boss and their their mind is somewhere else and they didn't notice you you know it, it's not personal right and even you know significant relationships my girlfriend i treat her the way i do because of the way i am not because of the way she is i feel about her the way i do because of the way i am not because of the way she is and this is the truth about everybody and everything you know and not that not that things relationships are not significant they absolutely are or can be but I, the outer world is a reflection of my inner world. Yes, absolutely. It's so, I, I do a lot of meditation and one of the meditations I do is to um, shrink my attention point and get my attention point into a, a cell of something and then look around. <laughs> and then shrink my attention point to the molecular level and look around. And it is Great. so true, as above, so below. <laughs> it is so true. I love it. That we are, on a cellular level, a whole universe in each cell. <laughs> and, you know, because when you imagine that you're that small, and you're looking around and you see the electrons whirling and the you know protons and neutrons and you're just like wow that's like a solar system and it for me it was really um just kind of like okay this is really interesting because yes we are energy and we have within each cell this whole solar system and it's yeah. like wow and and in the smallest component has the has the information about the whole too you know yeah it's just incredible so you know it's not it's not localized 
it's universalized. It's, you know, just, you know, they, you know, when they, when they want to see what's wrong with you, they don't have to even test your whole body. They'll leave you a little blood sample, you know, just yeah. that blood, you know, they can look at, look what you in your DNA, your, your cell, you know, so it's just incredible. Wild stuff. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor and we'll be right back with Angela Lee. <laughs> this episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Ever heard of accelerated learning techniques? What if you learned more deeply than ever before? What if you remembered what you learned far better than ever before? Visit www.perficio.io. That's perficio.io, where you can understand perhaps better than ever before. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza and Angela Lee. We're having an incredible discussion about feelings and death and this, and you know, not not any certainly any morbid or morose way, but you know it's an important thing to think about. But there's a number of facets of our conversation, uh, and not the least of which is personal development, uh, a healing journey. Tell us a little bit more about your healing journey and and what stood out as a significant step in your self growth. You know, for me, the um, most significant thing was learning to be comfortable being alone because I went from, you know, living with my family to living with my sister to being married. And the first time I ever lived alone was after I was 50 years old. (laughs) And so it was um, really hard, you know, really hard for me to go to bed all by myself and go out to dinner and eat by myself. And I avoided it for, you know, it's not that I avoided going to bed because, you know, I I needed my sleep, (laughs) but the eating out, you know, I'd invite friends to go meet with me and I'd go out to eat, but I wouldn't go out by myself. And, I realized, well, actually, so I signed up for um, Mind Valley A Fest and went to Bali in 2018. And that was the first time I had traveled by myself. And then the next year, I went to Mind Valley in Portugal and had to travel. To Europe now all by myself. But I, I had signed up for AFEST, which is a one week basically TED Talk and party, parties at night, TED Talk during the day. And then I went to Mind Valley University in Croatia. So it didn't make sense. There were two months apart, and it didn't make sense for me to fly back to America to fly over again to Croatia all within two months. So I decided I'm just going to live in Europe for two months. And me and my big suitcase, because I had two months worth of clothes in there, um, we traipsed around. So I, I went to Italy, Spain, France, and Italy again, and um, just really explored different parts of Europe and I was alone 
for most of the time. When I was at Mind Valley, I was in a group, but that two months in between, I was all by myself. And so I had to figure out, you know, how can I be comfortable? I don't want to be that woman who takes a book to to get lost in a book while she's eating dinner. I want to enjoy my dinner. And how do I get comfortable being by myself and doing that? Because it seemed like conversation is a huge part of having a nice dinner um, engagement. And so it was, it was a learning process. And how did you do it? I just did it. <laughs> you just did it. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Didn't, you didn't shy away. You just did it. Well, I was by myself and I had to eat. So at first I would, um, like, I remember I was in Trieste and in a really lovely hotel. <laughs> and I looked over the dining room. There was another woman all by herself and she was only a table away. So we started a conversation and the next day we had a lovely trip to Lake Como um, together. And if I had been in a couple, I never would have struck up a conversation with her and I never would have explored Lake Como with this lovely young woman. And so that for me was a real turning point because I realized, hey, when you're by yourself, you have more freedom to talk to other people than when you're in a couple. So I, I found the silver cord or the <laughs> silver lining in that. And so that's now how I feel about it. That, that, you know, that's one of my, one of my many blessings is that I'm really very, not only am I very comfortable to be by myself, I really need my alone time. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a need I have. And my girlfriend doesn't understand it very much or very well. She's like, Tony, Tony, Tony. I'm like, no, Tony needs some space. Tony gives you space. Tony gives, there's two things going on. I need it. And I, I really value it. And, and I'm for multiple reasons and on multiple levels. But I think this basically, it's a sign of healthiness. I'm not trying, I'm not making any judgment. But I'm saying if you can't be alone, well, there's a reason why you should work on being alone because <laughs> there's, you know, you, you got to be able to be social and to be okay with yourself. You know? I, 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 yeah. And you're the only person that is always going to be with you 24 <laughs> seven. And so if you can't be with you, then yeah, absolutely. Now uh, talking about being, being with yourself, you know, and I, I alluded to it several times, you know, about, you know, well, my father left home about being angry and how, you know, you know, and I put and I've really put the genesis of my addiction to that event, of my father's departure. Um, and, and, and I've said several times and I don't blame my father. I don't blame him. He did the best he could with what the resources he had at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't blame him in any way. But, you know, I, I've said numerous times that, you know, and when, when uh, there's a family split that you really got to pay a lot of attention to the children, perhaps get them into therapy, be very attentive to them and, you know, what's going on with them and look for, look for clues or cues. 
uh, and because it's, you know, things manifest and things take seed uh, and you know, a critical part is, you know, deal, you know, is emotions, you know, dealing with emotions. Now, I, I talked about how I, you know, really embraced death. Uh, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll cut, you know, I want you to talk about this, about, you know, kids and suicide, but, you know, I'll real quickly, I'll mention a time where I, I was, you know, I was, I, I put a gun to my head and, uh, you know, I was staying away from drugs as best I could. I wasn't doing a lot of drugs, but I had such psychic pain that had built up throughout my life that I just couldn't bear it anymore. And I put a gun to my head, put a bullet in the chamber and I, my finger was right here nestled on my temple uh, and my finger dancing on this trigger. And I said, I said, I was standing in front of, I was naked standing in front of a full length mirror. And I said, God, is there anything else before I pull this fucking trigger? And I didn't hear a voice of God, but I heard, I got a message that I understood with the head, no language. And it said, don't do it. And I laid down in bed for three days, phone ringing off the hook, didn't do anything, laid in bed and did the opposite of Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, where I wasn't clicking my heels, I was clicking my toes for three days. I laid there mm. for three days doing my feet click and the phone ringing off the hook, people leave a message, where are you, what's going on? Finally, my mother came over and I said the magic words, which I had never uttered in my life. I said, mom, I need help. I need help. I had never uttered those words in my life. And that really became, begun my the, my transformation, my, my journey of healing, like you're talking about. Now let's talk about children and suicide, mm. which you can, you have something to say about. So children are our greatest gift. And we as parents, we don't, we don't get a manual. We don't know the rules. We work on how we were treated. And, you know, sometimes we'll say, well, my dad was terrible. I'm not going to be that kind of person. So we choose the opposite of what we had. But a lot of our parenting is based on how we were parented. And our parents didn't have tools. They didn't know. And so, you know, we live now in this world where there's meditation and there's mindfulness and self-development and all these tools that can help us to be the kind of parent who raises emotionally resilient children. But there's this history <laughs> that just keeps getting repeated and what i i honestly feel that if parents listened to their children without interrogation without suggesting solutions but listened and validated the way the child was feeling, that would go a long way in reducing child suicide. Because the 
factors involved in child suicide include feeling unworthy, include um, feeling responsible for what's going on in the adult's life, which children will do. There's stress over expectations of parents. So in, in my children's book, I have a parent's guide at the end and it talks about stop trying to make a mini me. <laughs> and we all know what that means. I was a lawyer. You're going to be a lawyer. Your grandfather was a lawyer. We're, we're all lawyers and you're going to be a lawyer. But maybe this kid is someone who has a huge talent for art. And the parents will say, well, you, you're never going to make money in art, so you need to pursue law. And that way you're going to be, have a successful job. And then you could do art on the side. They're trying and they're doing the best they know as parents, because they think that their idea of what a success is, is the child's idea of what a success is. But maybe to the child, being a success means living in a hut on Hawaii and painting pictures. And who's to say that's a bad choice? So what I encourage parents to do is to let go of their ideas and their expectations of what will make their child a success and allow the child to follow their heart. And if the child isn't able to become a huge success as an artist, maybe that's okay. Maybe happiness is more important than success. Than career success. Yeah. Right. There's all different yeah. kinds of successes and exactly. wealth. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, not at all. This is great stuff. Okay, we're going to take our final commercial break and we're going to come back with the, the, the last segment with Angela Lee. Great stuff. I'm loving this stuff, Angela. Mm, thank you. This episode of Self-Help Coaching is brought to you by Perficio. Do you know why most wealthy people are that way? It's because they think like wealthy people and a fool and his money are soon parted. Visit www.perficio.io. That's P-E-R-F-I-C-I-O dot I-O, where you can actually transfer the wealth mentality into your own brain, and you will think wealth. You're listening to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Tony Petroza. We're here with the lovely Angela Lee. We're talking about uh, great stuff. Uh, there's so many sides to it, but we left off about parents, allowing their children to be themselves. Uh, and I want to continue from there. Uh, you want to continue from there? You want to go into emotional mastery, Angela? <laughs> um, well, I, I think I've pretty much said yeah, everything you, that, yeah. that I had to say about, but it is key to recognize our children for who they are and allow them to be who they are. Because Absolutely. each child has a unique gift that they're bringing into the world. We may not understand it. You know, the kid who designed crypto 
when talking to their his parents, you know, they were probably like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We don't get this at all. Get a good job. I'm not even sure if I still get crypto. (laughs) I don't get it. I've been trying to learn it for a long time. I don't get it. I I know I want to get involved with it, but I don't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a perfect example of how a child may have an understanding of something that is so out of our wheelhouse that we can't see how that could ever be a success. But, oh, my gosh, look at that. I think that what, what parents really need to teach their children, I mean, that's to teach them whatever they deem is appropriate, certainly, but is as we, as, as, as is been the, the resonant subject here is emotional intelligence, yep. how to feel their feelings, that their feelings are signals, that their feelings come from thoughts, that you can manage your thoughts. You know, when you have that understanding, then you won't be, you won't suffer from your feelings later on. And you'll accept, and you can accept things much more diff, uh, much more readily. I think that is a critical thing: uh, is emotional intelligence. Teach parents really. You like emotional intelligence? Probably most parents haven't even heard of it. Well, learn about it. Learn about it because your kids need it. You probably need it. I need it, and I increase. I strive to increase it all the time. And and I would say that the the thing is. If you had read my children's books when you were a child, or I had read my children's books when I was a child, we would have been equipped to face the feelings that we avoided, and we could have avoided decisions made on trying to avoid feelings that caused us tremendous pain. And so when you say emotional intelligence, it is a life skill that is so critical. Not only do kids need it, but adults need it. And um, how do you, how do you incorporate emotional mastery tools in a children's story? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> in in book one of the Bella Santini Chronicles, I believe it's chapter six or seven. Um, the main character. Bella is taken to an alternative dimension. And in this dimension, it's it's a world peopled by feelings. There are- Wait, wait, repeat that. It's a world that is peopled by feelings. There are no physical people, only energetic Feelings. feelings. Wow, wonderful. And in this particular chapter, um, the, the main character and her compatriot have a quest. So they, they must accomplish something in this world. So they have to figure out how to maneuver um, because they don't, when they get there, they don't realize that it's peopled by feelings. As they're going down a hallway, they are overcome by the feeling of sadness. And both of them just crumble on the floor. And they're sort of rescued by the feeling of hope that (laughs) swoops by and they're able to come up out of the sadness. But that starts a discussion. Okay, I guess this place is full of feelings. 
how do we get through how what tools can we use to get to the other side and accomplish our task and so not only is there that discussion during the actual task but when they get back to the fairy school their friends ask them how did you get through this and so that starts a whole nother discussion about different tools for managing feelings that is it's almost genius that's <laughs> fantastic <laughs> that is wonderful great great stuff i'm i'm really looking forward to promoting this book uh in right here right now so uh let's let's wind it up that's uh I'm gonna have to check out that book. <laughs> that is great. So um, we've had an awesome conversation and discussion, a great discourse. Angela, would you like to uh, have some final remarks? Well, yeah. And what I what I always say at the end is to give yourself grace. We're all learning and growing, and a lot of the tools that are included in my book are things that I didn't know until I was 50 something. So I'm paying it forward to kids so that they don't have to go through what I went through, but. What do you mean precisely by grace? Just so uh, people are clear on that. Surround yourself with love. Ah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we are so often quick to criticize ourselves. And that's not love. <laughs> really, it is not love for ourselves. And so when I talk about self love, I talk not only about eating right and exercising and caring for our bodies, but caring for your emotions and your thoughts and um, you know, when you look in the mirror, can you say, I love me? And not count the things that are wrong. Can you count the things that are right? It's loving your feelings, allowing yourself, giving yourself permission to feel your feelings. Catching yourself when you say, I'm so stupid and redirecting and saying, gosh, I made a mistake. Because you're not stupid, but you are human. Mm. Great and stuff. that's what giving yourself grace is. <laughs> Great stuff, beautiful. And I also understand you have a free gift for our audience, for the listeners and viewers. I do, because um, one of the one of the big things that children um, are dealing with, especially because of the COVID lockdowns, is anxiety. So I have a guide on my website. It's free downloadable to soothe anxiety in your children. And it's different tools, breathing techniques, mindfulness, um, just different tools that you can use to soothe anxiety in your child. Great stuff. And uh, at, at, that's at your website. Uh, say what your website is, please. Yeah. And spell it. 
It's AngelaLee.com. A-N-G-E-L-A-L-E-G-H.com. Uh, make careful note that people, Lee is, is spelled L-E-G-H. Uh, not the way you might be used to, but L-E-G-H. So that's Angela Lee spelled L-E-G-H. And so this has been a wonderful discourse. I really appreciate it very much. Uh, I encourage people to go to AngelaLee.com, get that PDF or whatever format it is in. All your all your link, all your uh, social media will be on your page at, at, at our website at Self-Help Coaching. You, you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn, you're on YouTube, you're on Twitter. All that stuff will be listed so they can check it out. And uh, your message is wonderful. What you're about is awesome. It's, this is um, delighted in, in getting it out and I want to learn more about it. I really appreciate your time and what you do. And uh, would you like to say goodbye? I would. Thank you so much. And just, I just, I, I want, I love humanity. And I just want everyone to know that they are loved. You know, I used, I used to hate the world. Uh, and now I love the world. Mm -hmm. And that's simply because I healed and I transformed. And, and that's what it's about. <laughs> you know, loving the world is, is very possible. And, and it's a wonderful place if you look for it. Angela, thank you very much for being here and everything. I, I appreciate it. Uh, and I remember my mantra, everyone. Everyone is responsible for themselves. And we can all use a little help. Thank you very much. This is Tony Petroza. We'll see you next time at the Self-Help Coaching Podcast. Thank you very much, Angela. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Self-Help Coaching Podcast, where insights, attitudes, and methods for success get illuminated. Learn what leaders and change workers have done and are doing now to create magnificent futures. Remember to visit our website at self-helpcoaching.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Self-Help Coaching Podcast.